Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, folks. You're listening to The Dork Forest, or about to. The website's JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. If you like determiners, FamilyPetAncestry.com, if you like jokes, because uh, that just leads you to JackieCation.com. Those are the websites. The credits, Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song. He just heard. He sang it with his wife, Sarah Cohen. He'll sing the song at the end, his words to the Mexican hat dance. Patrick Brady fixes this audio. Vilmos fixes my website, JackieCation.com. There are several ways to support the show if you want to support the show. Most basic way, the PayPal button. Donate. Knock yourselves out. There's a PayPal button on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. You can also Venmo me at Jackie at JackieCation.com, where you can also email me and say things. Another way to support the show, pretty painless, the Amazon button. On both JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com, there's a link, a banner to the Amazon page where you just order like normal. Uh, doesn't cost you extra. It just supports the show. There is also merch, very direct, at JackieCation.com, a whole merch situation. You can get Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirts. You can get Dork Forest t-shirts. You can get my stand-up comedy t-shirts. All the, com- all the t-shirts are union-made here in the United States of America, so they run a little big because they're made by Americans. There's also my CDs and my DVD. All of that is available uh, digitally as well, but if you want hard copies, you go to JackieCation.com, the merch page. Not available on the merch page are a couple of enamel pins that I haven't added to the merch page yet, and they are Meat Shield pins and Spooky Reading Girl pins. Email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, if you want those pins. Um, there's also a calendar of my stand-up comedy. There are premium episodes of The Dork Forest, which are episodes that I've taped live, and they cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I charge you a couple of bucks for them. So if you've run through all of the free ones, go to thedorkforest.bandcamp.com and get a live premium episode if you'd like. The YouTube page is on fire. That's right. There's teaser clips on the Jackie Cation Dork Forest YouTube page, but there's also... The entire episode, the whole episode of The Dork Forest are now uploaded to YouTube. So if you can't listen to iTunes or whatever at work, you can just have this on in the background with a beautiful picture of the guest and the logo. Enough already. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cajun. I'm in the living room. Uh, Welcome to The Dork Forest Rangers. I am here with Noam Friedlander. Are you related to Judah Friedlander? You know, I don't know, but I hope so, because it's funny. He's the world, he's a world champ, you know. He was on the Dork Forest. He spoke of ping pong. I love ping pong. My Do dad you? was really good at ping pong. Well, there you go. Uh, from your accent, people should know, not originally from this country. No. Spain? Uh, Portugal. Mm. So, That's a lie. Excellent. <laughs> that is a lie. my first lie. <laughs> first lie. To, not to lie. I was born in London. But my sisters are born in New York, so that makes me... You are by... something. Coastal. Coastal. Countries? Countries. Two. Dual nationality. Nationalities? Duo. Dual nationality. Dual. My father Mm -hmm. went to high school in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Wow. It just gets deeper. Deeper and deeper. And I have a cousin in Jackson, Mississippi. So mm. I feel that makes me very Southern, as you can tell from my accent. I can tell you. And I can tell you that uh, Grant won that battle. Anyway, uh, I'm going to say this is we – I have brought you onto this program. 
You are the author. First of all, it's Noam25 at all the things, right? N-O-A-M. Instagram. All the things. Noam, N-O-A-M, 25. So uh, that's where people can go if they wish to follow. And you have a boatload of books that you've written that are on Amazon. So you are a writer. I am an author, a published author. You have a published author. And it is uh, if Noam Friedlander on the Amazon and the Wikipedia for too much information that someone else has put about your life. Far too much. Yeah. I have a Wikipedia page and I'm like, what's happening? How do you? Oh, that's right. I have a podcast. So people glean info. Then they get in there and they put it in there. So, but today we were sitting next to each other. And I said, I had a podcast called The Dork Forest. And you're like, well, why haven't I been on it? And I said, well, do you have a dorkdom? And then it began uh, two minutes and then moments later, more minutes about C.S. Lewis's uh, series, Narnia, the Narnia series. I can't believe no one's spoken about Narnia. It shocks me. It is shocking. It's not that shocking. There's only so many. Come on. It's Narnia. I've, I've read the rest of Lewis's stuff. I've never read Narnia. You, you've read the screw tape letter. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they're great theological debates, big devil, little devil. But but the Narnia books, you love Harry Potter, right? I enjoy Harry Potter, yeah, and Lord of the Rings. So how can you not love Narnia? I know. I think I missed a window. I read uh, Out of the Silent Planet. I read the science fiction trilogy, okay. and uh, I love that. I genuinely love the science fiction trilogy. But I And I tried to read Narnia, but I think I missed a, a window when I was supposed to have read Narnia. Now. You can still read Narnia. It's not too late. It is available. Narnia. I have tried, and I will try again. Now, what do you recommend? I know there's like seven books, right? Uh, six, I believe. Okay, I wrote Maybe down one, two, three, seven? four. Do you have them? Listed? I have seven. I went through uh, in released order or chronological order. Oh, nice. What do you recommend? I recommend chronological order, which people, they don't usually follow because they're listed in a different way, but it has to be chronological because people always miss out the opening one, The Magician's Nephew. Okay. Magician's Nephew, chronologically, that's the place to start. That is the place to start because everyone knows The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Right. They love it. Right. And then they read it and they're like, why is there a lamppost? Who are these children? What's this world? How is it created? Right. Well, he, it turns that. out he wrote The Magician's Nephew like five books in. But it's prequel, right? Like he wrote it, it, yeah, because another writer said to him, why is there a lamppost in Narnia? What's happening? Okay. And he went, oh, yeah, origin story. He wasn't really familiar with his own origin story. Okay. He just did this great book that everyone loved. Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm-hmm. which is uh, essentially about two children who go through four a wardrobe. Four children. Four children. Ultimately. Go, uh, go through a wardrobe. Peter, Edmund. Susan and Lucy. Okay. They go through a wardrobe. They mm-hmm. end up in a world. Yep. What's the world like? I, for, I read Lion, but okay. I don't... So. Yes. Lucy. <laughs> there, it's during wartime. It's set in 1940s you know, England. Oh, okay. It's the war. Right. And they've been sort of evacuated out of London. And so they're staying with Professor Diggory mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the country. You mm-hmm. don't know his name's Diggory at that point. He's the professor. Okay. And they're playing hide and seek. Mm-hmm. And Lucy hides in a wardrobe. And then she finds herself in the land of Narnia, which is a snow-covered land because the White Witch oh. has taken over. And it is always winter, never Christmas, which is very important for Oh, them. that is important. Cause, never uh, Christmas. That is Because uh, Christmas really breaks up a winter. Yeah. You just know that it's going to be over soon. But right. the White Witch creates this world where it's always, 
or with winter, and her brother Edmund follows her through into the land of Narnia. Okay, so Lucy and, Nar- and, and Edmund. Later on, though. The, she is the first one in there, and she discovers this beautiful, wonderful world where she meets talking animals. There are beavers. There's a fawn called Mr. Tumnus. Tumnus? Mr. Tumnus. I've, now, why isn't she means a fawn named Mr. Tumnus? T-U-M-N-U-S. Okay. Yep. All right. And it's Lucy, Edmund, Peter, and... Susan, they all follow eventually. No one believes Lucy at first. Okay, because she goes in and then comes out. And it's almost like time hasn't passed because the time in Narnia is different from the time oh, right, in right. England. So there's a whole time lapse thing. Right. And she doesn't age, though. Nope. She's As been a child. gone. Okay. She's been gone in their world two minutes, three minutes. But Where in Darnio, she spent an afternoon. Oh, she spent the whole afternoon she wandering had a great around, time meeting with it. the fawn, having, right. having a having tea, hanging out with the fawn, getting to know him, and then the fawn was nearly going to drug her because the white witch is after human children. Oh, all That's right, the whole thing. Did the white witch now? There might be some spoilers, you guys. This book was written in the 40s. It's important to know that a spoiler from any time below 1990, you're screwed. So uh, we just did a Twilight Zone episode, and there were some spoilers. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Love the Twilight it's Zone. A, it's a TV show from the 60s. Okay, so um, does she, um, does the White Witch, who created the wardrobe? Who created the right. magical portal? So that... Is all part of the magician's nephew, book number oh. one, the origin story. Which is why one should start. One should, but no one ever does. People no one forget. Do. Yes. Because some of the later books, got to be honest, not as good, a little bit boring. There's one that's mainly about a donkey and a boy, and you're just like, eh. Boy and a horse? Yeah. Horse and boy? That's what it's called, something? It's not really, it's more sort of a Narnia side story. That takes place around the time. Of, and in the yeah. same world, essentially, but, yeah, but not but about the children the, at all? Not about the children. They're mentioned, they appear, they're older in it, but it's just not as good. Right, right. So the first one, The Magician's Nephew, there are no children. It is just the story of the world. No, there are two children. It is a boy called Diggory. Okay. And his friend Polly. Diggory and Polly. Diggory and Polly, very English names. Diggory, well, we, we know it, there's a Diggory in Harry Potter. There's uh, Cedric, Diggory. Cedric Diggory, who uh, who makes the ultimate sacrifice, because he's, uh, he's a noble Hufflepuff, is what he is, Cedric Diggory. He touched the cup first. I mean, well, they touched it together. Yeah, yeah, but, but he could have won. He could have won, won himself. Uh, but uh, it turns out Harry had been noble indeed. And then and it allowed him um, and, and sort of cut him some slack. They fought together. So Robert then Pattinson in the film. Dear God. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, one of the bizarre things about, well, not bizarre, but with the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all the rest of it is the Christian allegory. Right. Very much so, right? Very Which much I don't, so. But I don't, uh, I didn't see it when I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but I had been told about it. But I was like, the lion, I think, is supposed to be Jesus. The lion is basically Jesus. We're learning about creation, resurrection, and coming, you know, it's it's very Jesus-like. Right, but there's so many resurrection Messiah books in the world that, um, and granted, I mean, it makes sense that it would be Christian because C.S. Lewis, a uh, big Christian theologian, so... So I was. I remember being a little upset when I realized that this lion that I had been in love with, the way that they write this lion, he has 
paws that are almost like velvet. He's big. He's. I mean, lions are beautiful creatures. If you right. love animals, mm-hmm. you love a lion. <laughs> so I you had a, a lion. bit of a crush on Aslan because mm-hmm. he had a thunderous voice and was just commanding and everyone loved him and he was handsome and he was beautiful. I mean, yep, I had a crush on Aslan. Sure. You know, who wouldn't? I had a crush on Jesus uh, as a child. So it was, uh, he was a handsome man. He was a little thin, but, uh, you know, uh, he he was uh, in a commanding presence in, in all of my early uh, studies of him. Then I cannot believe that you haven't discovered the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That really strong. <laughs> right, because it's a buff Jesus. The Lion is the buffest of all Jesuses. With the most, I mean, he's just, and he's a loving Lion. Right. But you always have a little bit of fear about him because he's not, as they keep saying, a tame lion. Oh, that's weird. It makes him, it makes him, because the thing is, is the, the Jesus of my childhood, right, was not ever, he was never stern. It was not a stern God that I was raised with at all. It was a very mellow Jesus where he was like, it was only later when I read some sort of the later stories about Jesus telling people that, you know, like getting mad at the temple. But how did and, you see Jesus? Like as a patchouli-clad hippie who just loved everyone. Was that your Jesus? My Jesus, it was not that either. He was, he was yeah, he was a little more, he was a little more hippie-skippy for sure because he was laid back. And he was just like, hey, uh, and, and he was, but he, but he wasn't like stoner Jesus. He was more like, well, just be... Just be nice. Love people. Just love people love and uh, try not to get in the way. That was a, that was a, a, a an unforeseen. You know what? Now that I think about it, an unforeseen lesson that I learned from the Jesus of my childhood. Try not to get in the way. I don't think that that was Jesus. I think that was Nancy Cation. Yeah, well, I think that was my stepmother. Uh, try not to get in the way. <laughs> yeah, that was what you were taught. Um, as a big Jew, uh, yes. Jesus for me was just was just you know just another guy. Great guy. He was a great guy. Great guy. Good teacher. Told yeah. Us, told some good stories. Yeah. Seemed to, see, seemed to have his heart nice in the right Jewish place. Boy. Loved his mother. Good right. guy. Sure. Sure. You know, popular. Had a lot of friends. <laughs> Hung out with people. Good guy. Jesus was not an issue for me. He was just... Right. So when did you realize that Aslan was, a, was a, an allegory for Jesus? Very quickly. My dad's a rabbi. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> when did you read it? Uh, when I was about eight, okay, was the first time I really, really got into it between seven and eight. And I was talking to my father, and he, you know, he also liked the books, but he said, you know, Aslan is Jesus, is representation. I went, no, oh. no, no, Aslan's a lion, <laughs> and he hangs out in Narnia, right? And he's a, and he has his own kingdom, and there are worlds, mm-hmm. and there are many worlds, and he is a part of this world. Mm-hmm. And he's going, but it's an allegory, and it's Jesus, because you know, when they, when Aslan dies, spoiler. Oh, spoiler. Yeah. Uh, he comes back to life. Oh, spoiler again. And he dies for the sins of others. <laughs> oh, does he? Pretty much, yeah. Does uh uh by by name does he do they say he's going to die for our sins kind of thing? They say Cuz that, that would be very non-subtle. They're not they're not as on the nose as that, but you know that he's doing it, he's sacrificing himself for the Narnians. Okay. Is it to bring spring or something? Or Ultimately, with his death and resurrection, well, right before that point, Christmas arrives in Narnia. What? Because finally Aslan arrives and they're talking, Aslan is on the move and then Father Christmas shows up. Okay. And starts giving out gifts. Okay. And then it's like nearing the end. And then the White Witch feels that the only way to deal with this is to kill 
Aslan and he sacrificed himself oh. for the Narnians. And then what happens to the white... Uh, this is giant spoilers, you guys. So yeah. What happens to the white witch? Uh, she, I believe, dies. Does she die? I think she dies. I'm trying to remember. I might get that wrong. Oh, interesting. Because I know that in the in the first book she runs away into the night. I feel that she might just disappear. I don't think she dies. I think Aslan, being Aslan, lets her live. Oh, there you go. Because of mercy. You know? He's got some mercy. What about, okay, so it's so Lucy and Edward. Right, right. Sorry, so you know. in, the, in the book that has Diggory and Polly in it. Right, book mag- number one. Yeah, Magician's Nephew. We essentially, is it before the White Witch takes power? Yes, because okay. um, Diggory has a, has a weird uncle who likes to practice magic. Okay. And one day Diggory and Polly... Uh, end up in Diggory's house because they're hanging out they're kids sure. and Diggory gives her this ring that sends her off into oblivion basically oh my god and Uncle Andrew says to Diggory oh yeah your friend has disappeared into another realm haven't been able to check it out myself but here is some you go find her and bring her back so he's basically messing with the children to send them off it's kind of cruel. It, uh, it's like, I'm not going to do it myself, but you're going to do it. And maybe I, she's dead, maybe she's not. I don't want to babysit. Is that what this is with the uncle? I think it's or, careless, or was it an accident? Careless parenting. Ca- careless extended parenting. He's, he's, yeah. he's a bad part of the village, is what I'm hearing, yeah, he's that is raising these children. Yeah, he's looking after, because Debbie's mother is very sick, so he's looking after the children. But instead, he's like, here you go, touch this ring. I don't know where it's going to go. Oh. And they end up in this other world. Yeah. Where they end up meeting this woman who turns out to be a sort of a goddess magic woman. Yep. And they realize that she's crazy. Oh, she's there killed you. everyone in the kingdom of Charn. So they go to escape her and she attaches himself to her and she ends up in I think eighteen eighties London. Okay. So there she is. But this doesn't turn into a, a bones like Jack the Ripper kind of thing. No, does it? but she's running around <laughs> Running around London, mm-hmm. um, she has no magic powers, but she has tremendous strength. Okay. So she's in London, she's going crazy, she's right. the queen, and then eventually Diggory and Polly and Uncle Andrew all end up taking her with them, but not before she's grabbed a lamppost that she was going to use as a javelin. Oh. But they get her and then they land basically yeah. ultimately through a series of events in the new land of Narnia. Okay, and that's how the lamppost gets there. Yes. She brings it from 1880 London. Basically, and because this new land of Narnia is so new, it lands in the ground and plants itself. Ah. And there are more Christian allegories there because it's the creation of the world and Aslan creates the world. Aslan is God, Jesus, Holy Trinity. Right, right. So he's making everything. So he's in the magician's nephew as well? Yeah. All right. Oh, and there's a tree with an apple. I mean. Come on. Damn apple trees. Gives you knowledge and gives you life, an immortal life. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that's really. It's weird that C.S. Lewis would encourage such an apple um, because I I don't know if you ever read um, Paralandra. Did you ever read any of his adult books? No, I was too locked in my childhood joy of Of Narnia. Yes. It's because in Out of the Silent Planet and then Paralandra, it is uh, a Christian uh, allegory of sort of a dystopia it's essentially the theory is is that when um god created the universe there were nine planets and uh each planet had an angel and the 
angel that was in charge of the of the United States? No, that was in charge of the Earth. I know Americans all think that America. We all the, think that it's, it's only the, the center States. of nothing, the Earth. There's nothing else here, right? It's just America, <laughs> just the United States. We even forget about to be, Hawaii or Puerto Rico. It or used anything. to be funny. Oh, so sad. And uh, so, but uh, before uh, the Earth's uh, angel was Lucifer, and so we are the silent planet. Because the rest of the other planets, they all talk to each other. Because uh, they have, because God is space, and then each of the angels have a different, are the heads of different planets, and then there's people on each of the different planets, and um, so have we just been rejected by the rest of the world? Yeah, we've been rejected by the rest I've of the just universe. Just got into victim mode really quickly. There, oh, super victim mode. Well done. Anyway, so in the second book, Paralandra, um, essentially the Jesus character who is. Very on the nose. His name is Ransom. Okay. Gets because that's what Jesus was. He was a ransom for our sins. And so they send Ransom to Venus because there's going to be a new, there, there's a new Eden there. And in the new Eden, uh, he's wandering around. And, and, and it, it's this whole thing about the difference between free will and following the will of God. And it's a fascinating book, and it's an interesting – it's actually the best defense of Christianity I think I ever read. Huh. Uh, because before that, I was just like, all right, so magical people in the sky and be a decent person like the guy in the picture and go get your dad some coffee. That was the whole of my church as and a child. And believe that your mother is a virgin and pure. No, my uh, my stepmother didn't care about virginity. She thought it was overrated. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she wasn't wrong. Uh, I don't know. Any virgins out there, rangers? Uh, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. You'll uh, just keep moving. All right. So uh, the uh, anyway. So it was, but it was a fascinating story of the apple and and the reason why God said don't eat the apple was not because He didn't want humanity to have knowledge. It was because um, He wanted there to be boundaries. And he wanted um, humanity to understand that there were some boundaries. And so on Paralandra, there's a different rule that the devil comes and keeps trying to talk Adam and Eve, the Adam and Eve of Paralandra, uh, to, to ignore. And they're like, but why? He said, well, because rules are dumb. And that was the devil's whole argument is that rules are dumb. Are, aren't, are you your own person or aren't you? You could do it. And so he's trying to talk him into it, and um, and it's a fascinating. So what was the so apple thing? copying idea, because in The Magician's Nephew, Diggory yeah. is sent by Aslan to get this apple, and the white, the later who she becomes the White Witch right. in in the second book, or the first, depending on the, anyway, but <laughs> right. in, in the chronological order of the story, right. she is there, she's telling Diggory to take the apple and take it to his mother who's sick and this will cure his mother. Right. And why should this just stay here? And he knows that it's wrong somehow, but she's very convincing. She is being a serpent-like temptress. Right, right. And uh, in the end, he knows that he just he's going to follow Aslan. He's going to do what Aslan says. Because Aslan said to get the apple but bring it to Aslan? Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. And ultimately what does happen is he does get to take a bit of the apple to his mother to... Well, to yeah, heal her. Right, Aslan rewards him in the end. Yes, he did what, what Aslan wanted, and then Aslan was like, "Oh, well, and Here your you mom go. probably needs that. We'll help and, you out. Yeah, we'll help you out. Trickle down. What? No. And uh, <laughs> so, th- but that's the um, and the apple, and then he takes this apple corn, he plants it in his garden, and it creates a tree. 
And then there's a storm in maybe the 1920s and the tree gets knocked down and so there's the dead apple tree and he turns it into a wardrobe, which is in a house. Ah, uh, ha, ho. Which then, a few years after that, some children go into. The lion, the witch, and the, and the wardrobe. wardrobe. So the, ap- the apple tree, the tree of life... Uh, well, just gets one knocked apple, over. just one apple from that tree of life that he plants in the UK. Oh, he takes the apple with him because he's to feed his mother. That's right, and it's just the apple core that he plants, and then it becomes a beautiful tree, which with beautiful fruit on it, but it's not got the same powers. Right, obviously. right. It's just a really good apple tree, it's and a then great apple tree, and then when that the apple best tree falls over in the world. <laughs> And then there's, you know. And then there's apple wood that he makes a wardrobe out of. Exactly. Do we know if wardrobes are traditionally made out of apple wood? I looked into that at the time. No. Yes, they are not. Chestnut trees, oak oak wardrobes, cedar. They're just sort of a hardwood, I would imagine. Cedar to keep out moths. You know, there are many other types. I've never heard of an apple tree being made, but... I don't think C.S. Lewis is really thinking about the... Not really a carpenter. More of a (laughs) philologist. You know? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to let him off that one because I was like, as a kid, I'm like, oh, the tree, tree wood, wood cupboard. There we go. Magical there we powers. go. Magical it's powers. It's fine. Magical tree, magical wardrobe. He was, you know, on the spot with someone like, what are you going to do? Where did, where did the light, you know. Where did the lamppost come from? Where did the lamppost come from? Where did the wardrobe come from? Why does it work? He had to work really fast to do his origin story because people were just on his case. And he's like, it's a C.S. Lewis. I'm like, okay. Who's going to quibble apart from 58 years later or something like that? Right. Because this is the... This Jackie's going to quibble. I'm going to quibble, and it's six books later. Like, it's it's the second to last book in yeah. both chronological and order of publication. publication. Um, the Last Battle is the last book. Which, again, a lot of Jesus and also some Plato going on as well. Oh, weird. How yeah. so? Well, spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> In the last battle, mm-hmm. basically we find out that it seems that every character, Polly, Diggory, apart from Susan, oh, there is a huge debate about Susan, but we'll get back to that. Okay. Because she was not part of the Friends of Narnia. All the characters in the last five, six books, they all turn up in the last battle. They were bizarrely all on the same train. Oh, and even was, though they're all adults now? They're all adults, but they all happen to be going to X place. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's they're on the same train. Turned out they died, and Aslan lets them know they've died. And now they're in Narnia, and they go to the other place. They go to sort of Aslan's land, which, and they go to this other land that's sort of a reflection of their world. Okay. But it's a brighter, deeper, sharper world than theirs, which is sort of that Plato sort of deeper, darker. The Shadowlands. They're leaving the Shadowlands, and they're going into the light. Okay, so it's sort of a heavenly thingy-bob. Apart from Susan. Susan's the only one that doesn't get to go. She doesn't get to go? No. Let's go back, shall we? And speak of Susan. Which, For she... There's a lot of feminist ideology. J.K. Rowling is very upset about the Susan story. Oh, is she? Yeah. So, okay, so Lucy and Ed, Lucy goes first. Edward comes later. Lucy, all, initially, they, they all go to Narnia in the first two books. In, in, in those first two books, Lucy, Edward, Peter, Susan, all go to Narnia. They all go to Narnia. They have a whale of a time, hilarity ensues, (laughs) they battle evil, have a couple of laughs, make a few friends, hang out with a lion, it's all good. Fair enough. That's like your sum up. And then they become kings and queens of Narnia. Okay. They are crowned, the four of them, as kings and queens of Narnia. 
Book Let's, two. Yes. They go back to Narnia. Right. They have another whale of a time. There's more drama. And we're talking book two. Prince Caspian. Uh, Voyage of the Dawn Traitor. Wait, no, Prince Caspian. Prince Caspian. Prince Caspian. Okay, so let's take a quick break. Uh, I've decided to announce that we're going to take a quick break right here. I'm going to do an ad, and then we're going to come back. And talk about the Susan issue. My ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. Hey, Rangers, how's it going? Jackie Cation here for another ad for the Fab Fit Fun Box. It's a seasonal subscription box for women or anyone to discover new products for a, a life well-lived. There's full-size products, no samples of anything. And what you do is you get, for $39.99, you get four boxes a year. Right now it's the summer editor's box. And if you sign up for FabFitFun today to get your summer editor's box, you'll use my code, DORK, and get $10 off your first box. So FabFitFun.com, sign up, start getting the box, use promo code DORK, and get $10 off your first box. And that's over $200 for only $39.99. So they're regularly $49.99. So go to FabFitFun.com and use my code DORK and get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. Uh, The box that I got had a stretchy band thing that uh, I could totally use uh, to pretend to work out with in front of the TV. And there was a cute beach towel. There was an eyeshadow palette. You can get uh, uh, different eyeshadows and a whole palette of them. Anyway, it's, uh, it's a bunch of different stuff, like four times a year. And so super fun. Let's get back into the show. So let's talk about the Susan issue. What is it? In Prince Caspian, does she somehow she's become there. evil? No, no, oh. she's there. She's okay. part of it. And then in the third book, both her and Peter are deemed too old to return to Narnia because they've really solved all they need to solve. It, you know, their, their theological oh. crisis is over. Oh. And only Peter, only Ed, sorry, Edmund and Lucy, the two younger ones, right. and a cousin end up. <laughs> In Narnia. Oliver? Cousin Oliver? I have a lisp, and the name is unfortunate. It's Eustace Scrub. Eustace Scrub. There yeah. you go. That is a hell of a, hell of a hang. Uh, yeah, that, that's a name. Yeah, especially with a lisp. <laughs> so that's their cousin. And they're all of an age, so they're all younger. Mm-hmm. But no, Peter and Susan do not. They do not return after Prince Caspian. Well, Peter does in the last battle, because he's... Somehow. Everyone's back. In the last one, apart from Susan. So Susan, by the time of the last battle, is banned from entering Narnia. Or not banned. They, there's a really disparaging comment, I think, made by Eustace, saying, oh. you know, she's more into nylons and lipstick. Oh. And so there's a feminist... They didn't stick her in a menstrual hut? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a feminist take on this, going, just because she was a teenager and into boys... She, makes, she also makes some comment like, I can't believe you still remember all those games we played as a child. Because she's older now, and they're making out that Susan just was too into boys and too into makeup to really but deserve somehow Peter, a place in heaven. Right. But Peter is not into boys <laughs> and makeup? What's happened? Peter somehow maintains his earnestness faith in oh. the land of Narnia, whereas Susan doesn't. So there's this debate. Can't can't a woman who is in who is a regular teenager be in like be allowed into Narnia? Is she being judged by C.S. Lewis for her sexual appetite of a regular teenage girl? Right. So there are many books and theories about you know whatever happened to Susan, having lost her entire family in a train crash <laughs> and all of her friends. 
what the hell happened to her? So one of the theories is that poor Susan, having had her family decimated right. by this train that she didn't go on because she was too busy thinking about lipstick, <laughs> that maybe then she mends the error of her ways and becomes a more earnest, good person and fulfills the potential oh. that they always knew she had. That's one of the theories, that she would maybe be allowed into Narnia, a.k.a. heaven, Christian right. allegory at some stage, once she gets her shit together and becomes less of a whore. Right. <laughs> Which feels uh, just a little judgmental. I was going to say a little judgy. And I do love, I mean, I love these books as a child. But then you also revisit them as an adult, and in my case, as a woman. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, Susan, that's not fair. (laughs) No. Because I accepted it at the time. I remember reading it going, yeah, Susan's crap. I don't like Susan anyway. She's not into Narnia anymore. Right. Not thinking that, sure, people grow up. And she might have thought that they were childhood fantasies because the world of Narnia is fantastical. Right. Animals talk. Mm -hmm. Magic exists. Mm -hmm. You know. What about Lucy? How did Lucy, did was in the train, was she still like 12? She's probably about 14, 15, but still innocent and sweet. Lucy was always very uh, sweet. Marianne in the she, uh, Gilligan's Island. She was always very jealous of her older sister, who was more beautiful, more popular. She wanted to be as beautiful as uh, her big as sister. Susan. Mm-hmm. Little bit of a chip on her shoulder, a little right. bit of an issue. She might have put in a bad word, it turns out. Well, her and Aslan were pretty close. She was the closest to Aslan as well. Okay, because she was probably, was Edward younger than Lucy or older? Edward is the oldest. He's very serious, very earnest. Oh, okay. And then Susan's the next, and then we go to Edmund, who is... Initially, a bit of a bad egg. Who Who's Peter? Good. Peter's the oldest. Peter's so, the oldest. So there we go. Peter, Susan, Edmund. Edmund, and then Lucy. All right. And then they have the cousin, Eustace Scrub. Eustace Scrub. <laughs> who has a friend called Jill Paul. Paul? G-U-L-L. P-O-L-E. P-O-L-E. Paul. Jill Paul. All right, Jill Paul. Yeah. Welcome. To the world of literature. And they become friends with a marsh wiggle. I mean, there's a whole world out there (laughs) that Jackie's not getting That I've not yet been a part of. Because she's too busy thinking about Hufflepuffs and Slytherins and Ravenclaw. Right, and and Mordor and and, uh, all those things. Now, I am, by the way, talking to Noam Friedlander, who uh, you might want to read some of her books, which are on Amazon, and follow her on the Twitter and the Instagram at Noam25. Now... What is a marsh wiggle? What's happening? Is that an animal? No, it's it's a really grumpy, misanthropic, sort of, <laughs> not human, but he looks like a human. He's kind of got long fingers and he's got sort of webbed feet. Based on J.R.R. Tolkien, probably? Or one of the other ink whistles, Who knows? or whatever they were called, there inklings. There are so many creatures, and so there is so much happening in Narnia that I'm sad that you're not a part of the world. Well, I mean, I think... I think we've got the books around here somewhere, so I could I could get on it. You could get on it. I could get on it. So, like, the, Prince Caspian, they go back. They go back. They, Having been kings and queens of Narnia, at the end of um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they're on a hunting trip. They're in their 20s, 30s, and they're very beautiful, attractive, you know, leaders of their country. And right. they're going on a, and they're going on a, I think they're hunting a stag or something. And then they're riding through the forest, and then they arrive at the lamppost. Okay. And they're like, oh, do you remember the lamppost? Oh. And then I think they get off the horses, and then they end up seeing an open door, and they go through the door, 
They will go through a door, those kids. Holy smokes. They love a door. They really do. And then they end up back home in England, and they've all gone back to their regular ages as if they'd never left. Oh, my. Wow. All right. And then they go and see Professor Diggory. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they try, and they think that he will never believe them, not knowing, of course, that he is the magician's nephew. Right. And they're like, well, this happened. And he was like, well. And he talks about Plato, and he talks about things, and he's like, and he believes them. And they maintain this beautiful bond with Professor Diggory. All through there, because he believes, and he knows that it's all real. He knows it's real. He knows it's real. Where did they, so, but Professor Diggory, as to who they're staying with, right, because of the war. They get sent out of London, like all the children did. And he has a big house, which he later seems to lose. No one explains why Diggory loses his money. But by sort of, I think, book three, he's poor. Oh, because Peter goes to stay with him for tuition for Oxford, I think. Professor is going to be tutoring him, and he's staying in a very small home. Oh, a different home. Yeah. Because he kept the wardrobe? It doesn't appear to be so. Oh, fair enough. Never so, mentioned again. Never, the wardrobe never mentioned. So how do they get back to Narnia if they don't have the wardrobe? Well, there's... there's because as, there's a voyage, and then there's Aslan. a... Aslan. Aslan okay. can send you home. Oh, he could send you home. He could bring you forth. He does many things. In uh, Prince Caspian, mm-hmm. they are called forth by Prince Caspian has Lucy's hunting horn, and he blows it, and it pulls them out of their time, and suddenly they're back in Narnia. Okay, that's how they got back. Mm-hmm. And what about the voyage? The voyage? Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes. They're looking at a painting at mm-hmm. Eustace's house, and they notice that the water appears to be moving, and the painting is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They fall into and the they painting? they fall into the painting, and Eustace isn't... Eustace hates it. He's always teasing them about their, their secret Narnia thing. Yep. He doesn't believe it. He thinks it's awful, but, you know, constantly taking the piss out of them. And then, oh, suddenly Eustace is drowning with them <gasps> in the ocean. And then they're rescued by an older Prince Caspian, another Prince Caspian. Ah, uh, there you go. It's, uh, you know, that's funny because in the, t- in the movie, not the TV show, but in the movie Mary Poppins, they jump into the paintings, the chalk paintings. They do. So, uh, serious, uh, things have been cannibalized. I think things are reused. And who wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Ian Fleming, who Ian. also wrote James Bond. Really? Oh, Chitty- no, oh, I'm thinking of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, sorry, but yeah. Right, right. I was going on a Dick Van Dyke journey. You went on a Dick Van Dyke I can't help myself. Did Ian Fleming write Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yes, he did. Well, there's a fun fact that we did not know was a thing. Yeah. Just Holy throwing smokes. that out there. Welcome to the dark forest, you guys. Yeah, I, I might be. Yeah, uh, you might be a well, welcome. What is the silver chair? Uh, the silver chair features Eustace and Jill because each time with each book, the children get too old, it seems. I, think, I don't know what the deal is with Aslan, but once he hit a certain age, he's like, no. You shall not part. <laughs> that, uh, that age the, restrictions. Age restrictions. Know. It's uh, well, maybe it's like camp. You know, we're only going to have up to fifteen. I think it's like you might challenge him too much. It's like maybe Jesus doesn't want to be challenged, or Aslan doesn't want to be challenged too much. Right. We let, let's just assume that he's like, well, you've you've grown up enough. That's and what now, he basically says, like, you're too mature. You've learned what you need to learn right. from me, Aslan. But you, children, need more. Right, and C.S. Lewis is just like, ah, people like to read about little kids doing things. It's true, though. I do like a teen superhero team. When it comes to uh, comic books, I love, like, a Teen Titans. I like uh, a Runaways. I like it when teens are given powers 
and um, or children, and then they have a coming of. I love a coming of age story, so that's what C.S. Lewis was kind of recreating by he adding keeps, new kids. Keeps doing it. So Eustace, who was yeah. in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, right? And Jill. No, he, he just oh. Eustace. But in the Silver Chair, we meet Jill. Jill is at school with him, and she ends up in Narnia with her new friend Eustace. Okay. So and they so end- they end up on the journey that's their story next. And how did they get there? You know, I'm trying to remember. Suddenly it was just my mind I just There's no horn, there's no painting. There's no horn, there's no painting. I think that there's a moment of I seem to remember that he's sort of praying or doing a mantra or something okay. to get to Narnia because he I think he wants to show Jill it's real he ends up He does some ritual. I think so. And, and gets the attention of Aslan, but who I, then brings him. But he's needed anyway. You're, all these kids are always needed in Narnia to sort <laughs> shit out. Quite why it needs to be sort of a 13-year-old child to right. sort of right the wrongs of humanity in right. Narnia. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, only their innocence or their sweetness is the key. Or their to naivete uh, to charge into battle. What, uh, what are they fixing in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? And then, well, it oh, is the White Witch. The White Witch. She's taken control. And there is a um, prophecy that the heirs of Adam and Eve will sit on the thrones at Care Paravel. And if, if they make it, which is why she's it. collecting human children. Which is why when it, she meets Edmund and takes him sort of, makes him sort of her personal friend, right. him Turkish delight, he's smitten. <laughs> In the film, it's Tilda Swinton, who wouldn't be smitten. I'd be afraid, but he wasn't. She's terrifying to me, but not to him. <laughs> Unexplainable to me, but somehow he's... I get, I get her mixed up with other people that are don't look anything like her, but then I have that face thing. I can't tell anybody apart. She has the most unique face, though. I mean, was was she in Doctor Strange? Did she play the... the, Yes. Okay. Yes. That is Tilda. Yeah. Okay. She is the guiding force in, you know... Yes. She has the androgyny, but the look... I mean, she's stunning. She's sort of like... Another age is. She's 102, but she could still be 38 (laughs) if you look. Right. She might be 16. Uh, I don't know. Yes. It's... uh, So... But she plays the White Witch? I believe she is the White Witch. In, In the movie? Yeah. Okay. And so... She must be defeated in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. How, who, who, what has to be defeated in The Magician's Nephew? In The Magician's Nephew, it's still the White Witch. It's the origin story. Oh, right, her origin story. Because what happens is that she, um, she is sent back to sort of Narnia, and they have this tree, this amazing tree. It's all about this tree, and the tree is there, and it's protecting Narnia from... Okay, so the white she, witch, and then I think it's almost a thousand years later that tree has fallen, mm-hmm. and she has come in and come back into Narnia, and she has made it winter. Okay, so that was I see, and now that's who they're defeating. Okay, and so the horse and the boy—that's like a weird side origin story set at the time of the of the of Peter um, Lucy. Edmund. Oh, a parallel story? It's sort a of parallel like story that happens. Ender's Shadow? I don't know if you ever read Ender's Game. <laughs> Ringing a bell, but yeah. Uh, there's a, Ender's Game was, was a written... Film recently as well. Yes, and yeah. Ender's Shadow is the same story, but from the perspective of a different character. Okay. Is that what sort of Horse and the Boy? No, this is sort of a side story of a different group of people where there's a... There's and a different task? With a different task. There's a false god... 
I suddenly remembered. Uh-huh. Oh. Came to my mind. They have a donkey dressed up with a dead lion's outfit, <gasps> and they're trying to say it's Aslan. Oh and then God. they're attempting to <laughs> control people who go to the barn and visit fake Aslan, and then it sort of enslaves people and tell people what they need to do. What? Because they have that's Aslan. the horse and the boy? I believe that's part Holy of it. There's smokes. so much of it. But there is a young prince who travels with this horse, and he's actually, he owns the kingdom and doesn't know it. There's a, I, I'm vaguely remembering it not being that engrossing to me at the time because... <laughs> that sounds fascinating, though, the fact that there's a false god. This is, is a children's la- no, book. No, hang on, that's the last battle. I'm getting them confused. Oh, it's the last battle? The, the last battle has is fake the f- Aslan. Oh, fake Aslan. Okay, fake that makes Aslan more... the last battle. Horse and the Boy is, is a boy who's a prince and then his... God, now it's coming back to me. His uncle has taken over the kingdom okay, and is now king and he's in hiding and he's run. It's, you know, boy escapes with horse and needs to reclaim kingdom. Oh, right. Oh, that, 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 that thing. That kind of thing. He's essentially the true heir to the kingdom. That sort of thing. But evil uncle. Has taken over. Yeah. And he's like, well, who, who gives a kingdom to, to a child? Exactly. It's, uh, I'm After right he here. probably murdered his father too. You know, that's, it's that usual kind of thing. It's very much, there's a lot of that going on in stories. There's a lot of sort of brothers killing each other and then their sons are not murdered, but they think they've murdered them. They, they think, think they've been tidy. And, and then they feel like it. a messy moment where, you know, he comes back. Very Richard III. And, uh, and I think the horse we later discover can talk because the horse is a Narnian horse. Okay. But the horse has been silent for a long time because he didn't want anyone to know that he was from Narnia. Okay. It's a parallel kingdom that isn't. Narnia. So if you read The Magician's Nephew, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Horse and the Boy, and then Prince Caspian, that's chronological, supposedly. Yeah, but I would miss and then out the, the Horse and the Boy. Everyone misses out The Horse and the Boy. Just, and you're like, it's fine if you miss The Horse and the Boy. It really is okay. <laughs> Even I, a Narnia fan, don't care. <laughs> and I'm someone who cares. I, and you care. Really, I there's don't part of you care. that genuinely cares. Have, so you, like, no. have you seen the films? I have seen the films. And how do they do? They do pretty well. I don't know why they didn't finish them. It makes me sad because I think they must have run out of money or interest because Harry Potter, you did it. What happened? Right, right. What happened? Why did they give up? I don't know, but I feel like they did that with the Dark Materials trilogy too, the Philip Pullman. Pullman. Yeah, I read, yeah, I read them and then I saw the, the that was a creepy. That was a creepy uh, trilogy. But that was also in lovely theological ideas about souls being part of you and being sort of an exterior. Right. With the, I, I, I liked the familiars, everybody having their own little, little animal. Creature yeah. Them. Their own little creature. And then when you find out that the angels are actually just manipulative gossip mongers and they're just busybodies it's who great. just interfere. Yeah. It's kind of a great premise. Feels authentic. <laughs> to me i'm like why aren't we talking about this more i mean i realize that i'm putting human traits on allegedly angelic characters but yes but come on everyone loves a good gossip and loves it everyone's got control issues you don't become an angel unless you've got control issues i guess and uh and and everybody has tasks it's the civil service of heaven 100 so and um yeah i read that dark materials uh trilogy and you know, usually I keep a series if I like it, and I did not keep that series. Huh. I sold that one back to the used bookstore. Huh. So okay. I liked it, but I didn't love it enough to think, well, I'm going to revisit this 
and wander around this beautiful world. Because it isn't a beautiful world. It's not a beautiful world. It's a, it's dark, a terrifying dark, world. terrifying world. And Lyra, the child, is not, it's not a great world for her. No. Things go badly wrong. And the, I mean, I guess like Harry Potter, but these people that you idolize, your uncle, your father, your relatives, they're not great people. They, none of them were great people. It felt like in Harry Potter that all of the people that Harry met were good people. And the people that were caricatures of bad people, some of them even turned out to be good people. And the, and the subtlety and the nuance of the difference between good and bad was like, like when I think of the professor who told Tom Riddle who the, uh, what a horcrux was. Slughorn. Professor Slughorn. Slughorn, right. His besetting sin was merely pride. Oh, and you know, here's a, here's a link. Yeah. Professor Slughorn was played by Jim Broadbent. Yes. Who I believe played Professor Diggory in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. What? I believe so. Holy smokes. I would not be surprised. There's been a lot of work for English actors. Especially Jim Broadbent. <laughs> Especially him with that with those googly eyes. Come on. Come on. There was uh what I like about uh, uh British television is that normal people get to be on it. It oh, is it's glorious. Nice. Yes. Just normal looking people. Absolutely glorious. It's pretty great. And um And they're I, not known as character actors. No, they're, they're just, just actors. actors. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of, I guess, uh, t- I did an episode, a live episode, um, might have been at Moontar, or some, some comedy festival, and it was essentially all of the people on the panel. It was uh, Janelle James, uh, Aaron Foley, and Martha Kelly, which are three comics. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing they had in common was that they all loved British uh, mysteries, and oh, I love a British mystery. They love a British mystery, but they liked a British mystery where it was either one or two older ladies or middle-aged ladies solving crimes. There is a TV series that features two little old ladies. Yes, and there's a couple that are like women in their early 40s. Like one woman who's a she's a a, a government agent, one woman's a a homicide detective. Like they're like but they're not 27 years old and geniuses. <laughs> so No, they're women who've worked really hard and know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> it's kind of so... Shocker. I haven't seen any of these shows, but they all sound fascinating. No, they're great. But they're even... Right now in British sort of crime shows, even Broadchurch, Olivia Coleman is a flawed yet brilliant detective. That was one of them. That was it. Yeah, Broadchurch with yeah. David Tennant and Olivia Coleman. Okay, yeah. That, that sounds like uh, one of them. Yeah, so I liked... That, like, Harry Potter and, um, I like that J.K. Rowling had all British actors. And then she wanted to mix it up, and there was, uh, she mixed it up racially. She mixed it up gender-wise. And, um, she was like, and the only thing that is hilarious about uh, J.K. Rowling is that she keeps telling us fun facts about those characters. It's sort of like going back and writing The Magician's Nephew. And just going, well... Dumbledore was gay, right? You guys know that? Yeah. No, we didn't. We didn't know that because you, you never always suspected that. it. He was single. Oh, he was a single man of he a was certain age. A single man of a certain age. Well, and in English culture, one always suspects. Does one always suspect? Because when you call someone a bachelor, oh, that was the term 50s, 60s of a right of a lovely, charming single gay man with a 
Oh, a bachelor. He was a bachelor. Bachelor. All right. And he's been single for some time, and there's, you know. Right. Well, he fell in love with Hitler, uh, which was unfortunate for him. Remember the guy he fell in love with was the was the evil... Oh, gr- 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 yeah, Grindelwald. Yeah, Grindelwald. Holy smokes, you're pulling some great names out of your ears. Huh. Well done, Noah. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, I'm sitting here with Noah Friedlander, by the way. It's Noam25 uh, on all the, all the things. And uh, go to uh, Amazon and check out everything. So, last battle is for... Wait... The, which one didn't we 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 did uh, Prince Caspian Voyage of the Dawn Trader is that the one where they fall in the picture? That's the one they fall in the picture and then they go they're looking for the end of the world it, I, on a up, ship. What upsets me about actually Voyage of the Dawn Trader it it really is one that would appeal to the flat Earth Society. I've just realised. Oh really? Because <laughs> the world isn't round. There really is an edge of the world. Okay. Where the waters turn sweet and then from there you will find Aslan's land. So they really voyage Prince Caspian, who is not, who is like the great, great, great grandson of the other Caspian. Right. He's going to the end of the world. He wants to do this great voyage and he's going really far to the end of the world. Sure. It's a small mouse called Richicheep or something like that who actually swims off the end of the world. But yeah, the world has an edge. Okay. And they get to the end of the world sort of thing and then they get close and then they turn around and go back again. <laughs> it's time to go back home. Right. Caspian's got a kingdom it. to run. Yeah. Just wanted to see it. Just wanted to check out the edge of the world and then turn around. Caspian's father had done stuff. Everyone's done stuff. Caspian felt like he wasn't really achieving much. Okay. So if he could say he went to the end of the world, yeah, good for him. And so why do they call the kids to help him? Uh, Because I believe they are looking for um, the elders of Narnia. So there's more disasters, more stuff. More disasters. They're on a quest. Another quest. quest. They needed to fix something. Someone had gone missing, possibly. A lot of older, the elders of Narnia had gone missing and they were in trouble. And also... Ultimately, Caspian was running a kingdom, but he wasn't running it. He was running it from a boat. Right. He, he needed to go home yeah. and do his job. Right, right. If you could, uh, w- you know, paperwork stacking up. Um, Lots of things to do. So, yeah, it was Voyage of the Dawn Trader, one for the Flat Earth Society. Well done. Excellent. Well done. Did you ever read Terry Pratchett about the turtle with the, with the planet on top of it? Not that one, no, but the that sounds wonderful. Discworld is the Discworld series oh, right. by Terry Pratchett. And it was... Everybody loved it so, and so I decided to read it, and I didn't like it. So I read, uh, but I finally started getting why people liked it, and then I kind of liked it. It was cumulative. So I liked it around the sixth book. Uh, Oh, but you went in deep. I did. You went six books in before deciding maybe you liked it. (laughs) Right. At first I didn't like it, and then I was like, well, let's try again. And then I tried again. And then by like... We just need to record here that it took you six books. (laughs) To, to like it, so I've read That's probably devotion. I've probably read fourteen of them, but there's probably thirty wow. of them. Wow! So because he it was very he was very prolific, and they're all very silly, and they're kind of I mean they're they're weirdly deep, right? Okay. He talks about the big issues, but he loves a pun, and he loves uh, he loves corrupt civil servants, and he loves noble quests the Discworld series is actually quite funny but it's it's a lot of wordplay okay. and it's a lot of silly sort of wordplay that i was like i'm above this until six books in where i was like i'm enjoying this so uh, i'm really impressed <laughs> i mean it's like i can't watch six episodes of a show i'll give up maybe after four that's maybe the most i've pushed it yeah i don't have i have a hard time pushing through on tv shows but not with books for some huh. reason um 
And you'd think, because TV shows are relatively passive, you can could just sit there and, and they and would do just something play. else. Do your taxes and just right. Them well, on. they why would you bring that up? I have to do my taxes. Everyone has uh, to do everyone, their taxes. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> there are only certain it's, things uh, that are certain in life: death and taxes. Right, Ben Franklin, uh, he was the one. So, uh, so okay. So that was the Voyage one, and then the Silver Chair was after that, it was and I've, after that, and, and that, that is what that um, one was. That is Jill and Eustace. Oh, right. Um, I believe there's another. There's a Prince Rillian. He is enthralled. All Armenian. All the princes are Armenian. How interesting. Uh, nice that you would go there. <laughs> I was going to go maybe Jewish, maybe biblical. Right, exactly. It's whatever you want it to be, such is the beauty of, of C.S. Lewis. Lewis. Yes. That there is a, they're there to rescue a king again. Okay. There's a king who's messing up. He's, in, he's been... He's that silver of, chair empty for some reason? Well, he is in love with a witch who is bewitched. He's been bewitched. Oh, He's under an enchantment. Uh, bitches, man. What are you going to do? It's yeah. uh, sometimes... Whore. It's a Madonna whore again. <laughs> if we're dealing with anything Christianity, you're either Jill, you're a good girl who's allowed into Narnia, or you're Susan, a whore. Right. Or, He's in this allowed. case, or the white witch. Who, or a witch. Or, you're a witch, or you're a good girl. That's yeah, all that's it, it is. That's all we've got in Narnia. Wait, there's, and there's shades of nothing. Shades of nothing. But the boys, are there more shades of... of like, the, what is the difference between... In the Dawn Treader, he's an awful creature. He gets turned into a dragon. Okay. And he's really miserable. Oh, and so he's a, a is he a bit of a pill, Eustace? <laughs> that is a beautiful word that is absolutely <laughs> apt in this case. <laughs> what, and then Peter is a, a bit of a blowhard, he, if I remember. He's just boring. He's just... He's a solid good guy who just always sincere does the right and thing. does the right thing and it's a bit of a bore. He's the kind of guy that works really hard and he went to Oxford and he's a good he's a How good about man. Edmund? And what's Edmund like? Edmund initially is jealous, insecure, jealous of a brother, jealous of his little sister. When they both end up in Narnia, he lies and says he didn't go to Narnia and destroys Lucy. <gasps> he also betrays... he Because he's with the White Witch, he betrays his family and he has a lot of amends to do along the way. Right. He's, like, he's got the biggest character journey because he was a dick, and then he learns the errors of a way, then good boy. But like then Eustace, be- turns into dick, a dick, good boy. Okay, so, but so he goes on that journey, but he is a, um, he's, he's not so much a pill as he's just sort of a little bit of a whiner? Edmund? Yeah. He's just a dick. Yeah? Yeah. All right, yeah. all right. That'll happen. Yeah. And you know? and then, so what about Mr. Diggory, Professor Diggory? Professor Diggory, everyone comes back in the last battle. Polly comes back. She's maybe in her 70s. Diggory comes back. Jill comes back. Eustace comes back. I think even, bizarrely, um, Peter, like the parents, Peter's parents appear. I think they're also on the train. Oh, wow. So everyone is there. Apart from Susan. <laughs> right, for some reason, Susan still picking off lipstick over at Harrods. And <laughs> it's right around the corner from where I grew up. I spent many a childhood day in Harrods. My sisters used to leave me there to like babysit me. I'd just be left in Harrods department store. That's hilarious. In because, Bookworld. And there's nothing wrong with because uh, no. it's a big department store and you can go shake things mm-hmm. and it's just sort of almost like owning them. Because you're kind of playing. They oh. just leave me there. On the second floor all day, <laughs> and then pick me up outside at five o'clock once I've read all my books. Oh my god! It was a beautiful childhood. <laughs> but they um, basically Narnia ends. It's the end of Narnia. It's the last battle, which is when everyone's basically dead. Is it revelations, and they go into this new world. I think even that little mouse, 
Yeah. That went over the side to the edge of the world. Chin chin? He or whatever? Reach a cheap. Okay. <laughs> he comes back to take them through into Aslan's world, which is deeper and brighter and and it is, you know, coming out even of Even better? It's even better. Even better than Narnia? Because in Plato you have this idea of people we live in a cave in a cave and we don't and there's the light over in front of us and we're not in the light, we're in the dark. So here you're going deeper and deeper into the light, which is the sharper, brighter Narnia, huh. where everyone can go. So apart from Susan, Susan. <laughs> so C.S. Lewis believed in a Platonic ideal. Is that what? Well, that's what it seems like because Diggory is always quoting Plato at the children. So I feel that either that or he, he accidentally read all of Plato and was the only way to say, "Well, this is a smart character." Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Very possible. Though, um, Chin Chin, by the way, just so you know, is the name of the monkey in Speed Racer. I'm so sorry. It's also uh, a restaurant across Los Angeles that sells Chinese food. Oh, there you go. It's yeah. a, yeah, uh, is it a chain? Yeah, I think there are two or three in, oh, fair in enough. Los Angeles. Okay. One in the Valley and one in Hollywood. It's West a, Hollywood. Is it any good? Pretty good. Quite expensive. Oh, it's an expensive Chinese restaurant. Yeah, it's posh. It's pretty good. Okay. Well, fancy, fancy Chinese. I was uh, I was in Alhambra, and uh, it's right next to Monterey, which has a lot of uh, very cheap, very good Chinese restaurants because it, it has a very large uh, Chinese immigrant population, and they're not they're like we're not driving, open something. I think it's better than the Chinese food I used to have in Appleton, Wisconsin, where my aunt lived. That was not good Chinese. Home of Houdini, Appleton, Wisconsin. Speaking of magic, um, here's the thing. No, it's been almost an hour. Yeah. It's kind of exciting that we've filled that hour with the Narnia series. <laughs> with a few other sidebars, but... We have. We've, we've drifted off into other fiction and other I don't uh, feel fantasy. I've convinced you, though, of the beauty and the magic of Narnia, even right. with its Christian allegory. Even with the Christian allegory, even with the, the, short, the short stick that Susan has been given, you would say that I should read this. 100%. It is a classic. It holds up due to its magic and, okay. and the joy of children. If you love these children... Maybe I'll start, if I start with the nephew one, I think it'll help. Yeah, start with the nephew one. Don't read The Horse and His Boy. <laughs> Don't even sweat it. And you know what? The last battle is a little dull, too. I feel like he was losing his way in the last battle. I'm like, eh. <sighs> I don't care. I don't like battle. You don't, I get that, bored when I watch it in films. I always want to just be like, can we get it over? The last of the, the, the silent... The, trilog- the space trilogy by him, he wrote, it was out of the silent planet, Paralandra, and that hideous strength. And that hideous strength is the third book. And it is also a little dry, a little didactic, a little preachy. And the first two are preachy, but they're more fun. <laughs> they have like sort of more action in them and more stuff to look at and more stuff to... Uh, they take place in other worlds. That hideous strength just takes place in essentially a, a Cold War where the Nazis have lived, and uh, they've they essentially it's in Argentina in 1952. Okay, and uh, the piranhas out there doing her thing. <laughs> yes, that represented as someone else. Oh, yeah, they just changed their names and they're just controlling everyone. Well, he did have a thing against communism as well, and the and all the rest of it. So it, I think it comes out a little bit in. The last right. battle. There are some preachy moments that are very sort of buried deep, but but I'll start with the nephew, and then I'll nephew. do the lion, witch, and wardrobe. And if the uh, would you say those are the two best ones? Yes. Okay. For me. For you. All and right. And then I did enjoy. And then it's like I did enjoy Prince Caspian. I mean, up to the silver chair, I was into them. Yeah. And then the horse and the last battle. I just wanted to read the last battle because 
it's the end. Right. Well, you, it's hard not to, to read the last book. You just I had want hard, to complete. Even with J.K. Rowling, when she got to like the fourth or fifth book, clearly no one was editing her anymore uh, because she was hugely, hugely successful because she could have used somebody to go, nobody wants 200 pages of camping. No one wants that, oh, which is off. what the seventh uh, book was. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of camping. So, um, bamf. Uh, yeah, they kept popping in and out of camping. So, uh, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you so much. There was a suggestion today. I didn't even do my homework. <laughs> what you were getting is my raw, unedited love of Narnia, having not read one of them for a while. And I want to reread them myself. There you go. Rangers, uh, you've chosen wisely by listening to The Dork Forest. And you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?